Hello and welcome into another episode of the College Esports Quick Take and of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. If you're listening to this show on the Esports Network podcast feed, remember our friends over on the College Esports feed are hearing these episodes a week earlier along with all the other daily content I'm only publishing on the College Esports Quick Take feed. So if you're interested in learning about academic studies, about college esports programs and the growth of collegiate and scholastic esports uh, in the US and abroad, please follow that College Esports Quick Take feed. You'll get first access to interviews like this and I won't even be publishing every single interview I publish on the College Esports feed on the Esports Network podcast feed. So be on the lookout for that college esports feed added to your repertoire alongside the esports minute as well. But when I have great guests like the one today, I have to publish them on both feeds. Today, we're talking to Dr. Seth Jetty. He's one of the authors of an article that really stood out to me called The $1 Billion Myth, Methods for Sizing the Massively Undervalued Esports Industry. It was an original article published in the first edition of the International Journal of Esports alongside two co-authors. Dr. Jenny is an assistant professor within the Department of Exercise and Rehabilitative Sciences at Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania. He published a chapter in one of the first academic books ever written focusing on esports. He's been a consultant for E-League, among other work around the esports industry, in addition to his work in academia. Dr. Jenny, welcome to the show. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you very much, Mitch. The $1 billion myth stood out to me because it offered a perspective that's quite a bit different from the Newsu projection that's often cited about the size of the esports industry. That Newsu projection that you see all over the place is $1.1 billion. And I'm going to ask Dr. Jenny about where they received their projection first, but I wanted to read one paragraph that I think is important about the context of this article, and especially as it relates to Newsu. So here's what the paragraph says. Quote, to be clear, the findings of this paper do not suggest that Newsu's 2020 published reports and statistics are methodologically inconsistent or incorrect. Furthermore, we do not assert that our findings are the definitive or the only appropriate method for sizing the esports industry. Due to the complexity of the industry and the high number of different business models, the paper itself is necessarily a simplification of the ecosystem, requiring significant assumptions noted throughout the text Rather, this paper merely proposes an alternative definition of esports revenues and its associated market sizing. However, we feel this broader, broader definition of esports is of significant academic value as it calculates a much larger market size for esports using what we feel to be a more intuitive scope of the esports industry. End paragraph. And I'm going to be linking this entire article underneath the show. I encourage you all to read it. We won't be able to go into all the different uh, equations and uh, notes and methodology in this conversation. But at the core of the article is the size of the esports industry. And you argue that the size of that industry, in your pr perspective, is $24.86 billion, about 23 times Newsu's projection. Can you take us to that right reasoning, Dr. Jenny? Definitely. Um, again, thank you for the invitation. Um, I believe I remember citing some of your work uh, as far back as 2016 or maybe even 2013. So it's an honor to be on, on the show with you. And, and um, I do, before I want to answer that question, I do want to give a shout out to my co-authors, uh, Joseph Ahn and William Collis. Um, they both are Harvard MBAs, so <laughs> smarter than me. Um, Joseph actually works, uh, 
well, he did work in the previous uh, presidential administration um, with the Office of Management and Budget, and uh, both of them actually just today uh, announced that the esports organization Genji Analytics, which they uh, co-founded, which is part of Helix Esports, exited uh, and was acquired by Esports Entertainment Group, which is a NASDAQ-listed um, company, so which is pretty exciting. But um, anyway... To get to into your your question and how we came across um, this paper, writing it, the the impetus to it, I appreciate you reading that initial um, excerpt because it is important to understand that we're not trying to to say that Nuzu is a, a bad company and that they're. Um, we just feel that a broader definition of esports was required when you're looking at the valuation of the industry and i have a lot of sub points to go into that which which we will um but that's sort of the, the basis of it um i'm going to read i guess one of the issues that you come in into whenever you look at industry created research is they typically do not provide a whole lot of information about their methodology and it's very vague and it's hard to understand where they get certain numbers. So the new zoo valuation of the esports industry is 1.1 billion. And there I'm going to read a, a quote from their report um, as to how they got to that number. So here's what it says. Uh, this is on page 14 of the of the 2020 New Zoo report, which then talks about it being worth 1.1 billion. Revenue forecasts are based on our predictive esports market model, which incorporates data from multiple sources: macroeconomic and census data, primary consumer research data provided by our official industry data partners, which they don't specify who those partners are public event data in terms of viewership and attendees, media reports, and third-party research. So, I mean, due to intellectual property, that's so vague that you really don't understand where these numbers come from when they report them. Um, and so when you read our paper, we have mathematical uh, uh, equations which cite specific sources of where we pull each one of our um, figures. And so... To get into how we came up with that valuation, what we did is we used William Collis's um, entire esports ecosystem model, which sort of breaks the esports industry down into several subcomponents. And so the first one is um, game publishers. The second, and we give an estimate of what we feel the percent, the amount, and this is all based upon the 2019 valuation of the esports industry. We've, we um, perceived, uh, we worked out that that game publishers is worth $15 billion, teams, professionals, and streamers at $4.2 billion, streaming platforms was $2.4 billion. Physical products relating to esports, so companies that sell gaming products directly to esports players and or enable uh, gaming to occur, uh, esports to occur, 1.4 billion. Digital tools, so companies that sell digital gaming projects, products that enable operation, communication, and improvement of esports gameplay at only 0.84 billion. And then leagues and tournaments was the lowest category we estimated um, that at at 0.14 billion to add up to the 24.86. So 
So that's sort of how the overall um, categories worked together. Absolutely. And that's why it's an interesting thing to look at because it really just comes down to where does gaming revenue stop and where does esports revenue <laughs> start? And yes. that generally the esports audience would only, I think, be like, yeah, leagues and tournaments are 100% esports revenue and the rest of it gets into a debate. And it, it really <laughs> is an interesting conversation because gaming bio projections is an absolutely massive industry somewhere around 170 billion i believe from nuzu i saw in mm-hmm. 2020 uh so so that's all it comes down to is is esports less than one percent of gaming's total revenue or is it around 15 percent or so you know there's quick math i'm not i'm out of school now i don't do i don't do math <laughs> in my head that, that quickly but that sounds about right uh and so that's kind of the question where you come to is where does gaming stop and where does esports start? Where do you guys have an opinion on that? So it seems like, okay, yeah. Riot Games, all Riot Games revenue, because it was in 2019 solely focused on League of Legends, is entirely esports revenue. Is that accurate? Yeah. So um, uh, I encourage you to also, the, the listeners of the podcast, um, to check out, we, the us three authors, did a debate hosted by the International Journal of Esports. Um, with the Esports Insider, and we debated with some of the new zoo uh, employees who's in charge of esports over there. And one of the interesting things that came out of that is, is this is you know something that's always debated is what's the definition of esports, and, and that's essentially what your question is: where does esports revenue cut off from video gaming revenue? And when you look at the definition of esports in the new zoo report, it says esports competitive gaming at a professional level and in an organized format, a tournament or league with the specific goal, i.e. winning a champion title or prize money and a clear distinction between players and teams that are competing against each other. And um, when I read that to the new zoo employees, I said, so you're going to discount all of collegiate esports because that's amateur and not professional, right? And you're going to discount anybody who's not a professional esports player. And then I continue on to say, well, um, what is an e- a professional esports player? Is it somebody who earns their sole living off of esports? And so we can only count them as professional or is there not layers of esports? Um, Tobias Schultz is a, is, a, is an academic uh, based out of Germany, and he has this model of layers of esports, where you have pro esports, semi pro esports, amateur esports, and casual esports. I'm not totally into the the casual esports because I think that really blends the line with video gaming. But the way that we define esports is organized, competitive video gaming in our paper and so obviously that's a much more inclusive definition of esports and we include um a significant more uh areas i guess that uh, of that revenue estimate um Nuzu goes on to say that their revenue numbers exclude prize pools and player salaries which i'm not sure i mean if that's the whole point of uh professional esports is to to earn prize money i'm not sure why you would exclude that from from your valuation of the industry uh they consider those to be what they say cost items um which which, you know is i guess one way that you could 
uh, spin that. But a, a other points that I want to make, I mean, I don't want to, in our paper, we're clear that we, we're not saying that two point um, or 24 billion is the precise number. It It's still an estimate, but we feel it's significantly, the industry is significantly undervalued at 1.1. It's much more than that. Um, when you look at sort of the preponderance of evidence across different data points, iResearch reports a 18 billion market size for Chinese esports alone in 2019. Goldman Sachs predicts in 2022, the industry, it would be at $3 billion, and um, Nuzu predicts in 2022, it would be at $1.79 billion. Quantum Tech predicts in 2022, the industry at $4 billion, and again, Nuzu's at $1.79. Um, Twitch revenue alone in 2019 was, was $1.5 billion, and certainly, um, I think that uh, there was a lot of that not part of the Nuzu estimate. Um, I mean, I can continue to go on through all of these different data points of reasons well, why that industry is undervalued at one billion. Well, here's here's a question for you from a more like top level perspective. Mm -hmm. Why in an industry that has been known to have some funny numbers uh, at the times <laughs> and people to maybe make some uh make some adjustments with streaming numbers and comparing them to other things try and make it sound bigger than it is why in this case does it feel like esports is capping the valuation and they're they're hesitant to put uh, a higher valuation even when it would theoretically help their cause and when there is as you lay out a reasonable argument to call the industry much larger yeah that's a great question because in our debate, um, the Nuzu said that they had been called out for undervaluing the industry before. And honestly, I have not come across an article that that um, has it lower than the Nuzu number. Um, from an academic perspective, I after our paper came out, I had academics reaching out to us saying, hey, thanks for this paper because now I can apply for grant funding and I'm right. going to have a better advantage of trying to get that funding because, you know, the value of the industry is so much larger than what was previously thought. And certainly we that wasn't the impetus of this paper. You know, I've, I don't have any specific grants now because of this this paper. We, we we wrote the paper in what we believe is the current, you know, the valuation of the industry. But to answer your your question point blank, I don't know. I don't I, I'm not sure. I, I think maybe. There are people that um, look at esports as the very top level, elite level, you know, what is in their definition pro esports, and then everything else is video gaming. When we, you know, we believe if, if you want to do a sports analogy, um, if, if, uh, if I'm just outside shooting baskets in my driveway with my kids playing basketball, you know, we that's just shooting around. We're, we're just playing basketball. But if I go to the YMCA, I enter a league, there's officials, everybody is following the same rules, everyone is using skillful play to try to win. That's where I believe that e the level of esports starts, where it it's competitive, um, there's rules that everyone's trying to follow. Um, the, the person who is winning is based upon following the rules and, and having skillful play. Um, so it's a much more broad definition than a lot of the industry uh, currently um, 
accepts, I guess. I'm actually, I've had this debate enough times because I'm more in your camp than I am in the other one. Uh, Because it's talked a lot about how esports is unique because one company owns the NBA, they own the ball, they own the court. Uh, and they own ha- like they own every single aspect of a sport. Just like, uh, you know, if you go play at the YMCA, you're not playing in the NBA. The NBA is not seeing any of that revenue, and nobody Correct. would expect it to. But if you're playing a League of Legends match, even if you're in bronze, even if you're in, uh, even if you're in third grade and you're playing in a youth esports group, you're still playing through Riot Games' uh, conduit, and so. Theoretically, and because every single match is run through a rank structure, there is no really shooting around. You could practice, you could use something like Aim Lab, uh, where you're getting that practice. But generally, a ranked system is an immediate ranked structure, which to me means you're playing a competitive environment, which to me means you're playing an esport. Everybody who's playing any League of Legends is playing an esport because they're playing competitive mode in general. And Riot Games owns all of it. And so I'm actually more on board with that because we use that comparison and we're like, well, Riot Games has, it's like if the NBA owned every single aspect of it and we're like, yeah, absolutely. We all agree upon that. Well, then why don't we value it as if the NBA owned every single aspect of basketball, of anybody ever playing basketball? And so that's kind of how I see it. I don't think we we use that market sizing when it actually is very reasonable. I, I think if you're playing a ranked match, you're playing an esport. Just like if you're playing at the YMCA, you're playing a sport. Sure. And we we don't have to put a cap on that. Yeah, and and when you look and so it's all about your when you look at our paper, over sixty percent of what we we our figure is um, publisher revenues, right? And they don't capture the only thing they capture within that 1.1 billion is publisher, what they call publisher fees. We include publisher revenues, which um, is certainly totally blows up that esports industry valuation figure, and, and is one of the, obviously one of the reasons why our number is so much larger. I mean, why would you not include at least a portion of some of the publisher revenues if that's what drives the industry? Is the publisher because they set all the rules and they, you know. They, they control everything when it comes to that game title. I I tend to agree. And that's kind of the where I'm at is it's it's a much more democratized uh, competitive platform than it is. Like, again, to, just to bring it back to, to traditional sports, most people aren't playing basketball every night. They are watching the NBA. They're watching sports. They're not playing. They're not going to the Y every single night. Whereas in esports... Most people are playing, you know, you might want to watch here and there, but it's a lot easier to boot up a game of play. And generally people are going to spend a lot more time playing an esport than they will watching it. That's borne out by all, all the numbers we have. We can just take a look at the Call of Duty player base at one moment and you'll see a hundred million people playing a game at one. Uh, I saw that during the Warzone peak and uh, that the the Call of Duty championships runs around and 300,000 people are watching. And it's like, do we really want to cap every single person, the people who are watching esports events? And do we have to? Like, is it reasonable to do so? Is is the question that isn't asked enough? Uh, I feel like people are scared to to over uh, inflate it. And to your point with Nuzu, they got called out for a a really uh, 
article that I saw shared all around esports, which was shady numbers and bad business from Cecilia D'Anastasio uh, inside the esports bubble, which basically just took aim at Newsy's number, saying that they overinflated the $1 yeah. billion dollar evaluation. And so it's it's wild the specter with which people <laughs> operate here. Yeah, I mean, two other points I, I did want to bring up as well, and I, I hinted at this. So esports prizing, which is, you know, crowd uh, crowdsourced primarily, um, was at $200 million in 2019. And Nuzu doesn't include any of that in their revenue estimates. And, and um, I, you know, we do. Another thing that um, is sort of what we feel was important that we bring up is the entire esports ecosystem received about $1 billion in venture capital investments in 2019, which is, you know, the same as what they list as the valuation of the industry. Now, certainly that's, um, doesn't say that, okay, well, they're projecting it, it uh, is going to make more money later, but why would all these VCs uh, put in the same amount of money of what the, the industry is currently worth um, it, it's, it's, that goes back to that preponderance of evidence where these, that's just another data point of why we feel that 1.1 is way too low. I, I like that, that you brought that up too. And, and what's important is that a lot of esports companies are gaming companies too, not just the game publishers. Obviously there's a debate there, but the mm-hmm. esports organizations all have rosters of streamers and content houses that are not esports. And so it's like, you could try and just keep drawing a line through esports where it's like okay this is our this is our river that borders the two things but i think it's going to be as the lines are getting merged and culture is merging into gaming it's becoming more and more difficult especially with games like fortnite is a, is a great example where you have the fortnite world cup it's like okay it's esports for sure they're they're competing but you also have the celebrity event you have all the viewership there are you gonna are you gonna draw a line down that how how are you going to differentiate these two things and i think as the two worlds get closer and closer where esports organizations are focused on content on citing streamers uh, and they they exist in that world and places yeah. like riot games game publishers are expanding into music expanding into movies it's like you can keep trying to to just siphon off esports and cordon off esports but the rest of the esports industry doesn't seem particularly keyed on doing that either so as esports media and esports projections do we should probably evolve our thinking there yeah, they're definitely entwined with with esports and, and gaming. But I'm glad you brought up Fortnite. It's another data point um, that we bring up. So Fortnite in 2019 um, reported a 1.8 billion dollar revenue. Okay, that's obviously um, not all of that. We could say is esports, but when one game title reports 1.8 billion dollar revenue and you're saying that the esports industry is 1.1 things are not jiving there i don't know what you know you could be as good a guess as me as to what percentage of fortnite should be esports revenue but um that's one of those things where i think nuzu discounts any any of that right and esports is uh, in many cases, a marketing strategy for these games, which makes its value even harder to quantify because they, you know, they're not necessarily making the money on the broadcast rights of the league. But how many people continued playing Fortnite? How many people continued buying skids because they were captured by the Fortnite World Cup? How many League of Legends players are still playing because they're fans of the LCS? Uh, they're fans of the LEC. They enjoy watching Worlds. You know, how much value has that delivered over time? It's not really easy to quantify. And if you could take a very 
uh, pessimistic approach and be like, well, if it's not quantifiable, then it's not, we're not being included. But I, I think your, your point with venture capital is a good one. These people are very smart. They're smart investors. They understand that this is, they're not putting in $1 billion into a $1 billion industry right now. And one that news news projections usually have it growing about a hundred million a year, 150 million a year, as far as I could, I could see. And so it's, that's not really the rate VCs are looking for. They clearly see other revenues uh, as it's built inside and outside of esports. Uh, yeah. Let's, sorry, to be conscious of your time, I want to make sure we're moving through some of these other yeah. questions here. Sure. I didn't realize we're already at 1030 uh, in the morning right now. Uh, you, you bring up streaming platforms. And that's something else I wanted to focus on because yeah. I think it's something that is, is pretty relevant. And there's... Uh, a hard divide between, or not a hard divide, when a streamer stops being an esports player and becomes a streamer. Most are doing it at the same time, right? Like they're they're still streaming, and then half of the major channels on Twitch were once full time esports players. Ninja is a great example, and then Valorant comes out, and Ninja becomes an esports player again. So how do you how do you separate his value? Uh, Shroud guys like XQC as well all spent times in high level esports leagues. So clearly they built up some of their audience, some of the revenue they're now building through esports channels, uh, how do you differentiate when somebody's making revenue based off an esports career and somebody's making revenue off a streamer? Is the second they fire up a Twitch stream? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And certainly um, people can look at the different numbers that we include. And, and we, we put a certain... Um, percentage of streaming but that's an area where Nuzu doesn't really include any streaming revenue but we include a portion of of that coming from streaming platforms as well as esports players that are making money from streaming and um if you know certainly aren't all athletes entertainers when it, when it comes to uh traditional sports and people are um, using the platform that they've made from playing a pro sport to then being able to generate revenue because of the platform that they are playing, whatever sport that they are, um, we we did include uh, a certain percentage of our valuation from pro streamers who are streaming. I I think that's a reasonable choice to make when it when it comes down to the actual revenues of the platform itself. How did you? Uh, separate Twitch, for example, that is expanding beyond esports into some other areas through concerts, through music, through uh, some live sports, some actual traditional sports, and then through the growth of platforms like or channels like uh, Just Chatting categories, not platforms and channels, categories like Just Chatting, uh, which has become the biggest uh, category on Twitch overall. It is pretty much decidedly not esports, I think it'd be fair to say. So how do you differentiate that revenue and figure out where that split happens? Yeah, so um, Joseph was the big statistics guy, and he could describe the the uh, actual uh, calculations in there. But what we did is what what we um, anticipate well, not anticipated what we valued a certain percentage of the um, esports ecosystem um, of what what that is worth. Uh, relating to streaming. And then we looked at the total amount of money made from streaming and took a percentage of um, streaming platforms revenue and put that into our model is the way we did that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I encourage everyone to read the article, especially if you're interested in some of the 
uh, math breakdowns as well, because it was uh, clearly higher level equations than, you know, this is some Harvard MBAs uh, working with with Dr. Jenny here. So I was I was reading. I was like, I'll take their word for it for sure. Well, yeah, that we, looks. We took so I'm I'm reviewing the paper now, and we took half of their revenues, fifty um, percent, is the way that we did that. Right, which is which is why it's important to open. It's like these are projections and estimates of itself, but Correct. this is very clearly, hey, this is the argument we're making, and we're up here. And news is down here. And maybe the answer is somewhere in the middle. But you can make an argument that these other revenues should also be included. Uh, So I guess the final question I want to ask you is, in it, you've differentiated what you consider to be esports games and not esports games, and also the genre of a tail esports game. And so I'm going to ask you to try to go through and separate each of these, especially uh, curious about one game, but I'll ask you that uh, after this. So, <laughs> how do you se- separate a game into an esports game, a not esports game, and then define a tail esports game as well? Yeah. So, um, what we did is we looked at um, the the top uh, earning game titles that are played within tournaments and leagues, and we used those specific. Um, titles. I think we capped it off at around 10 uh, game titles. Um, we have a table within the paper, and I, I don't know if you want me to read every single um, game title in there. It's it's all the ones you'd expect. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Activision Blizzard, League of Legends, Fortnite. Like, yeah. It, one, you know, honestly, we didn't include. Mo- our valuation did not um, include any mobile gaming. It did not include any um, esports revenue from uh, gambling or fantasy esports. And so, if anything, we feel that our number is undervalued because we couldn't find reliable data on gambling and mobile and um, and fantasy esports. Um, but yeah, what, what was the specific game you had a question on? Oh, I see the table right here. So this is table four, which we talk about. Among Us. The game publishers and the games, yeah. Um, Among Us? The specific game I was very curious about. Yeah, I guess because it's not a league, it doesn't fault it, but it has been played in Twitch Rivals. Uh, Team Liquid right now is hosting (laughs) like competitions between its various teams as a like as a promotion event for Liquid Plus. Uh, it's the big. It was the biggest game on Twitch throughout fall. It's competitive in nature, but not in the way you'd expect. Is it an esport? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so remember, this valuation is from 2019, and so you know, Among Us is definitely a more current, um, really popular more now than it was in 2019. Um, I would say. Oh yeah, that's why I'm asking because I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, all my kids, my, my son was so popular at school because we bought him an Among Us sweatshirt off of Amazon and none of the other kids in the school Dope. have had that, <laughs> had that. And so I, I'd buy one of those. He goes to school once a week and he always makes sure that's clean. So he wears it to school once a week. Um, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, I would say that if, depending upon the way that it is played, the way my kids play it, it's not an esport. They just go on their recreational play. If you are going in and it is organized within a tournament or league structure, and um, there is some type of set rules that everybody has to follow, um, and you are uh, working toward an individual winner, then that is where 
I would consider it more of a, of an esport than just going on and, and playing recreationally. Um, so I think it needs to be more of an, an league or, or tournament structure than just going on and playing a recreational among us. I agree. I agree. Though some of the people who are really great at that game have taken it to this very serious level. I, I do think it, I, I think really uh, if we wanted to ever create a clear definitive point for where gaming stops and where esports starts, I'd say that the most ubiquitous example would be a ranked ladder in a game because that oh, yeah. is the, that, that's competitive format. That, that is to me the same thing I did in school, which was trying to, to get better at a sport, uh, try and play for, you know, think about baseball, little league baseball, everybody's played, you play double A, you play triple A, you go to the majors. Uh, that's what they call it in Beaverton, Oregon. I don't know what they call it everybody else, but then you get to high school, your, your freshman team, your JV, your varsity, you're working your way up a ladder and nobody's going to disagree that that's sports. I think that's pretty similar to the ranked grind of esports, and you're playing a game in a competitive structure that usually involves teamwork with the goal of of getting better and improving it, and that to me, it quali- qualifies as esports. But it's not. That's not what everybody says. <laughs> yeah, and there there's another. Um, you know, one of my first esports papers in 2017 was to what extent esports um, is a sport, and there's the other part of institutionalization. So, like, is there a governing body which tracks what those rules are and right now those are the game publishers and um they don't want to relinquish those types of rights which is one of those issues of of trying to get into the olympics if if people are wanting to do that i mean i know there's people that are totally against it we don't want it in the in the olympics or not but um the olympic ioc international olympic committee wants to have control of things and they would have to be some type of agreement with with the game publisher and the olympics uh, committees to to structure things in a way that everybody's happy which is a whole nother topic yeah let's the <laughs> ioc and the ncaa i'm, I'm fine with where they are yes. currently at which is uh not involved at all so the game publishers and the amount of control they have is a problem but yeah. if the question is do we cede some of that control to the ioc i think i'm okay on that but uh <laughs> that's just me personally uh, yeah I, I think it's it's not a question that has ever been formally answered. It probably never will be formally answered. It's everybody has to create their own sort of perspective on it. Uh, but to me, I think you could absolutely make the argument that people who play competitive games are doing it for the same reasons they love sports. And that's really how I always defied the esports was, hey, this is a game that is competitive in nature that touches on a lot of the same frameworks as sports, but it's played digitally through a video game. And that's esports to me. Uh, and there's no clear definition. Like, don't, there's no clear definition. Of course, LCS revenue is always going to be considered esports, but I, I think it's reasonable for people to, to judge it. And that's why $1 billion myth, I, I wanted to have you on the show to talk about it, because I think this is just provides a better perspective that, hey, Here's how we're currently valuing it. Here's what we're currently citing. Do we have to? Is this actually the best uh, metric or form to do it? So uh, thank you for writing the article. I enjoy it. Like I said, I'll link it below the show. Uh, I want to give you a chance for closing remarks. We're already over the time. I promised to be off uh, for That's you. Right. But what do you want people uh, looking out for from your end? 
I think it comes down to, to skill where I think there's a lot of um, what you might call gatekeepers that are, that are old school in the industry where if it's not super high level skill being played within the game, then it's not esports, And that's where, you know, bring it back to the analogy at the YMCA, like these guys are throwing bricks against the backboard or it's missing, you know, shooting air balls. But to me, if they're playing in a structured organized format, it's still esports, And that's sort of, I think that some of the industry vets need to open up, broaden their um, minds about what esports is, and it doesn't have to be the highest skill level. Um, lastly, you open up the show talking about uh, esports in education, and that's um, maybe we can have a, a discussion about a, a paper coming through the pipeline right now, where um, I, uh, with a couple other different colleagues, analyze the um, educational landscape within higher ed, um, looking at all we we collected an inventory of esports. Um, degree programs around the world. And, and we're at uh, 80 different programs from uh, master's to bachelor's to diplomas and technical degrees to esports undergraduate minors and, and all types of certificate programs, which is um, pretty neat coming, coming through uh, the next piece of my scholarship. Awesome. I will have to have you back on the show to discuss that. Yeah, we're in uh, the College Esports Quick Take for the people listening to this on the Esports Network podcast feed. We do uh, weekly, daily programs, which are in the news, covering the top news stories. Classes in session, where I cover academic studies, where I first read the $1 billion myth. I've been going back to the International Journal of Esports uh, quite a bit because they do some really interesting work, uh, specifically around esports. And also doing program spotlights, highlighting uh, top programs around North America primarily, but also some in Europe. And then soon we're going to be working with EFUSE uh, doing a full show on their college coaches rankings on collegiate esports. So that's everything you're missing on the college esports feed that you could only find on the feed for the college esports quick take. So if you want uh, those conversations as well as more interviews like this one with Dr. Jenny, you should definitely be following that college esports quick take feed. Dr. Jenny, thank you again for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. I encourage every single one of our uh, listeners to view that article down below. It's a, got a lot of math. It's got a lot of formulas that we can't uh, totally discuss in a podcasting medium. So be sure to read that article as well. And Dr. Jenny, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it.